The views and opinions of shows on KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. KCNR, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. Today we're going to be talking about OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And if you're like my family, and we've got some OCD in our family, we call it CDO because that would be alphabetical like it should be. (laughs) Because anyone with OCD will crack up and know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't say things out of alphabetical order. I want to tell you what OCD is, and hopefully we've got somebody that's calling in uh, who has struggled with OCD before. Wait a minute. We've got a microphone change here going on. Uh, We've got someone. Okay, that's better. We got a bum mic going. Uh, Somebody who struggles with OCD is going to try and call in, and she's awesome to talk about it. Uh, I also want to dedicate this show to a listener in Ohio who contacted me and said how much therapy in a nutshell has been helping her and that she struggles with OCD and asked if I'd ever do a show on it. And I said, absolutely. So this is for her, too. She knows exactly who she is. All right. So let's talk about what is OCD. And I want you to, like anything that I talk about, many things I talk about, OCD is kind of on a spectrum. If you look at people with extremely mild OCD, uh, they might do a few things that fit what I'm going to talk about. And then there's people with such extreme OCD that is absolutely debilitating to their life and ruinous to employment, to their relationships, uh, and, and includes incredible distress. So recognize that you could be anywhere on this spectrum if you have OCD. So... OCD stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. And the reason it's called that is because OCD can be obsessively happening or compulsively happening or both. Obsessions tend to be thoughts. Obsessions are the unwanted thoughts that you loop on and you can't stop. And I'm going to explain what common obsessions are and give you some examples so you know if that's what you struggle with. Compulsions are behaviors, and those are behaviors that people engage in in an attempt to stop the obsessions or because their obsessive thoughts tell them they have to keep doing those compulsions or they just tend to do the compulsions because uh, it's something in them says they have to. So I'm going to explain different obsessions and different compulsions, and then you can see how they can link together. Many people have some kind of obsessive thought or some kind of compulsion that they do. Um, Like, for example, say you have a very set bedtime routine and you do it the same way every night. Could that be considered a compulsion? Well, maybe. If it doesn't interfere with your life and it doesn't cause you distress and it's a healthy thing for you and how you run your life, then we would not be diagnosing that as OCD. 
Now, are some people more methodical and more compulsive than others? They tend to set the table the exact same way, or they tend to uh, make their breakfast the same way every morning, or eat the same thing all the time. Uh, Okay, those can be compulsive behaviors, and they're not a problem if they're not a problem for you. Now, put that on a very bigger scale, and let's say you have to do things a certain way or you get super anxious and super nervous. Now, let's go up the spectrum a little further. Let's say you have to do things a certain way, and if you don't, you not only get nervous and anxious, but you start to feel unsafe, like something really bad is going to happen. Like, And, and often if you ask a compulsive person, well, what's the bad thing that's going to happen? They often say, I, I don't know. It's just going to be bad. It's just going to be bad. So there's an internal feeling that something horrible is going to happen. Now, with obsessive thoughts that can loop around and loop around, they can be thoughts of harming yourself or harming someone else or obsessive thoughts about religion or uh, things that you're worried about, like um, your bank balance. It can be any weird little thing that you obsessively think about, and then you often have to do a compulsive behavior to nullify the obsessive thought. So let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say that you have an obsessive thought that you didn't lock the front door, whether you're going to bed or you've just left for, left for work, and you start thinking, did I lock the door? I know I locked the door. No, but what if I didn't lock the door? Oh, my gosh, I uh, did I? I don't know. Uh, I don't think I locked the front door. Okay, I'll just go check it. So you get up out of bed and you go check the front door. Or you stop the car, turn around, go back to the house, check the front door. You find that it's locked and you go, okay, I knew I locked the front door. All right, good. You go and you head back for bed. You get in bed and you go, but but was it really locked? Maybe I didn't. Maybe I just thought I checked it, but I didn't check it. And your obsessive thoughts start building and building and building till it's easier to get out of bed and go check the front door again. People with OCD might check the front door 10 or 15 times, sometimes more, sometimes disrupting their sleep all night long. So, again, put it on the spectrum. There are people with very mild OCD that might check the door three or four or five times and then force themselves to stop and go to sleep, or they might have a compulsive ritual that they do that will keep them from going and checking the door. And you can see how that could be mildly debilitating and just kind of funny, almost, all the way to disrupting their entire night's sleep and changing their life. So again, that spectrum really helps you think, how bad is this problem for me? Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, I've treated OCD in my private practice often in the 34 years I've been in private practice, and I've seen varying degrees of OCD. Uh, I had one woman who was so germ-phobic, and her obsessive thoughts were about cleanliness and germs and infection and all of that kind of stuff. And her compulsive behaviors were hand-washing and certain rituals that she had to do. And she would do these all day long. She couldn't hold down a job. She was considered disabled from her OCD. Uh, She would actually do things like I use a whole gallon of bleach to wash surfaces in her home, to wash the floor in her home. Uh, She often had burns from the bleach on her feet and on her hands. 
um, because she would want the bleach on her feet and hands to get off any germs. So she was obsessively thinking about germs and infection. And her compulsive behaviors of cleaning, hand washing, uh, certain rituals that she had to scrub down certain surfaces with certain chemicals uh, were debilitating for her because they would take up many, many hours in the day. So on that spectrum, she would be on that far end of the spectrum where she's completely disabled. This controlled her life. Obviously, she didn't have a relationship. Nobody, she couldn't handle somebody in her environment because of the so-called germs they brought in. But she also was impossible to live with. Now, let's go to somebody down on the other end of the OCD, whether it's really mild. And that might be somebody who has to tap the doorknob five times before they can open it. They have kind of a counting obsession. They think about they have to do numbers a certain way or they have to end something in a certain number because that's their safe number or their lucky number. And nobody really even knows they're doing it. Um, occasionally you'll see somebody that will do tap, 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 open door, and you'll go, huh, they have OCD if you know what you're looking at. But that can be not debilitating for them. They can kind of keep it hidden. They might even laugh about it sometimes. I had one client who, uh, if somebody rotated to the left, she needed to make sure they rotated back to the right so that they were in balance and equal. And later when we're talking about treatment, and I'll talk to you about how you kind of challenge these rituals, we used that circling thing for her to challenge rituals. It was really pretty cool, and she did a really good job with it. So we're going to go to break in a minute. And when I come back, I want to talk to you about different obsessions and different compulsions. And one of the reasons I want to do that is I want you to see if you find yourself. And you go, oh, I do that. And then by the third part of the show, we're going to be talking about what are some of the treatment options and why do they work. And I want you to realize that you don't have to suffer with OCD. There is so much help out there. So those of you that have been struggling with this are embarrassed, don't want to talk to anybody about it, I want you to know there's help. Okay, so we're going to go to break, and we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to the song Rain from Randy McGinnis' CD, The Journey. It's a beautiful CD. Randy McGinnis is an award-winning Native American flutist, and he has six CDs. They're all different. They're all beautiful. They're all very calming. And you can find his CDs on his website, randymcginnis.com. And thank you, Randy, for allowing us to use your music on this show. I think it's really healed a lot of people. And a whole bunch of people have gone on to order his CDs and use them to calm their anxiety, get to sleep, meditation, massage, all sorts of stuff. It's beautiful. All right. We're talking about OCD. And I want to start off talking about obsessions. Remember that the obsessions are the compulsive kind of thoughts. They're the looping thoughts that... that you get stuck on and you can't stop. So some real common looping thoughts are worrying about getting sick. Like there's an OCD obsession that we kind of call medical obsessions. Uh, people obsess about uh, getting germs and getting sick and dying and being in the hospital and, and what if I have to have surgery and, and could this 
be cancer. Oh, my gosh, I've got cancer. Um, those are medical obsessions, and they loop on those thoughts. And I'll tell you, COVID has totally messed with people with OCD because they are freaking out about a virus, and they already have medical obsessions. So it's been very hard on people that struggle with this. When you have an obsession that you loop on and you keep thinking over and over again, it creates intense anxiety, and it creates a feeling of, I'm not safe. I need to do something to fix this or stop this, and that's where the compulsions come in. But many obsessions have to do with germs or disease or contaminants or, um, you know, dirt and those kind of things. Those often will include body fluids. I've had people who are obsessively fearful of vomiting. And if they get something like the flu where they can't control it, they are just in horrendous emotional pain because they're vomiting. Or they'll be really afraid of someone else vomiting. So these obsessive thoughts are fear of losing control of something, of your health, of your body, of your environment. I had uh, one woman who was constantly obsessed with she was going to run her car off a bridge or she was going to run it into a tree. Uh, If she was a passenger in the car, she would obsess about what if I threw open the door and I jumped out of the car. And she would loop on these thoughts and they would scare her. They would frighten her that she was actually going to follow through with one of these things she was obsessing on. Um, An obsession could be about fear of going into a store and stealing, um, concerned about being accurate. Uh, Sometimes people that obsess about hurting someone else's feelings will obsessively apologize over and over and over again because they're fearful that their words will cause someone to stop loving them. So you're kind of getting the feeling that obsessions are the looping thoughts and the mental compulsions of trying to gain control over your own mind. Now, people with OCD will tell you the thoughts can come out of nowhere, and then they start looping around, and I can't stop them. I I tell myself this is stupid. I don't need to think this. Why am I doing this? Just cut it out. And they'll talk to themselves, but then the thought will come back around. And then the fear that something actually is going to happen to them makes them loop on the thoughts even more and then maybe start doing a compulsion to stop it. So again, let's look at it on a spectrum. Let's say that you're a college student and you write your paper and rewrite your paper and rewrite your paper and make it perfect and make it perfect and make it perfect and you have a hard time calling it done and turning it in. That can be kind of an obsessive sort of thought with a compulsive sort of behavior. And there's ways to get through that and stop doing that. So think about the thoughts that you might tend to have where you are looping and avoiding and thinking about and anticipating and trying to fix with your looping thoughts. One of the things I teach OCD people when they're in my practice with me is I'll say to them, I want you to find the loop where you're really picturing I had this thought that I might do this or think this or this could happen or I need to control this or fix this or be aware of this. And then you start to worry about that and you're worrying, 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 and pretty soon you're trying to stop the thought and then you come back to the thought again. But what if? 
and you have the thought again. So picture that you're in this kind of looping electronic thing that you can't stop, and the thought happens over and over and over again. Picturing how that happens is part of how we start to get you to recognize it and stop the looping. And we're going to talk about that in the third section of the show. So let's talk a little bit about compulsions. And and I also wanted to refer you. There's OCD sites on the web. Um, There's OCD organizations that if you get on and get on those organizations, you can really see a lot of good information and books that you can read and things like that. Um, And it's really pretty cool. Uh, There's an old book on OCD called The Boy Who Wouldn't Stop Washing His Hands. And I really like that book, and I think they've done an updated version of it now. And that will give you a ton of information on OCD as well. That's a cool book. Okay, let's talk about compulsions. Compulsions are a little different because they are behaviors. Uh, So compulsions are often related to the obsessive thought you have. Um, I'm thinking of one person who had a compulsion about or an obsession about wet floors, like a shower floor. And so in the shower, she had a very hard time putting her foot down in the shower. And it kind of didn't matter if she wore flip-flops or something like that because then the flip-flops would be wet and she'd be putting her foot on a wet flip-flop. So she was in constant turmoil when she'd take a shower because the obsessive thought about the wet floor and what that meant and the compulsion to try not to put her feet down in the shower, and then how do you do that, right? So she was in a world of anxiety when she'd take a shower. So that you can see the compulsion that she had that went along with the obsession about the wet floor that was tied to some of her other thought about what a wet floor meant. So a very common compulsion that people have is hand washing. And that's the one that most people know about. Like if you say to them, do you have OCD? And they say, well, I don't wash my hands all the time. But they might check doorknobs and check whether they lock the door or not. Um, I had a guy who was, he was very obsessed about when he would move his parked car. And I remember him telling me he was outside the grocery store, he gets in his parked car, and he starts to drive off, and he gets this thought that he just ran over somebody. So he stops his car, gets out, looks underneath the car, there's no dead body. There's nobody under his car. So he gets back in his car, and he tries to back up again, and he feels like, oh my gosh, what if there's somebody under my car? So he stops his car, and he gets out, and he looks under the car. (sighs) Nobody's there. Okay, I'm good. I can leave. He would do this sometimes for 45 minutes or more. He could not move his car. And then sometimes when he would force himself out of the parking lot, and it took every ounce of strength he had to make himself keep driving. Then sometimes he'd get on the freeway, and while he's driving on the freeway home, he had to go uh, several exits to get down to where his house was. He would obsess that someone jumped out in front of his car on the freeway, and he must have hit someone, or at least he hit an animal. And so he'd get off at the next exit, and he'd loop back around, and he'd look very carefully on the side of the road, and he'd look where he was driving. And he sometimes would get off the freeway and loop around 10 or 15 times trying to find who he hit on the freeway, or if he hit an animal. And he, it would take the same act of conscious control to try to make himself drive all the way home. He said he often would not buy anything that would melt or needed to be cold because he knew it could take him several hours to get home from a grocery store that was about 15 minutes from his house. So listen to the obsessive thoughts there. 
Look at the compulsive behavior and look how ruinous that was to his life. The extreme anxiety, the feeling of unsafe, being unsafe, the fear that he had harmed somebody was debilitating to him and and horrible for his psyche. So common compulsions are those repetitive behaviors of checking or cleaning or washing. There's mental compulsions. Some people will have religious mental compulsions where they have to pray over and over again. Uh, They have to count when they're performing a task. Uh, Another compulsion is people who can't step on lines. They will walk on a sidewalk and they'll purposely avoid the lines. And sometimes they're so good at it, you don't even know that they're doing that. And sometimes they'll be really freaked out if you step on a line. So they want you to join them in their compulsion because you stepping on a line when they can't step on a line will make both of you unsafe. Okay? They will do canceling or undoing behaviors. Like if they, for some reason, say a swear word, they might have a compulsion that they have to now say a good word to cancel it out. Sometimes they'll have, I have to say 10 good words if I said a swear word. They'll have rules and compulsions that try to reduce the anxiety about how they cannot control their thoughts. So let me tell you a story about a person who had OCD really badly. This person was driving their car down a mountain and somehow started thinking, I hit a van full of people and I know that I must have run that van off the road and there were probably children in that van. And this person started driving up and down the mountain for many hours and stopping and looking over the edge, trying to see if they could see the van that they must have knocked off the road. And it was agonizing for this person. And finally the spouse called me and got a hold of me and said, I don't know what to do. And I said, you need to go to the emergency room. And so the spouse got the patient to the emergency room. They uh, did some tranquilizer stuff and got it calmed down. But it took kind of knocking the person out to stop the looping thoughts. And the person was hysterical, was certain that people had been killed, and couldn't stop the obsessive thoughts that this was happening, or the compulsive driving up and down the mountain, stopping and looking over the edge. It was torturous. But the good news was it was the beginning of starting to treat this OCD that was so severe and so debilitating in this person. Now, before we go to break, I want you to understand one thing. OCD often shows up by the late teens. Sometimes during puberty it can happen because you've got a combination of hormones that can increase anxiety. Sometimes there's stressors in a person's life that begin obsessive thoughts and trying to control their environment. So it can start at any time. There's little kids that have OCD. So it can start at any time. And it can start at times in your life. You might be 35 years old and going through some really big stress and Uh, Things happen that you couldn't control, and all of a sudden you start obsessively trying to control things. So there isn't a set age. There isn't a set sex. It can happen across males and females. It can happen to all walks of life, all income levels. It can happen to people with other mental disorders or none. All right? So don't try to think, well, I couldn't have OCD because I'm 40 years old. It can hit you, and 
Even if it does, there's ways for us to treat it. Okay, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some treatment options. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty. Okay, we're talking about OCD. And I want you to understand that there are very effective treatments for OCD. Even even if we look at the spectrum of, say, 0 to 10, people that are a 10 on an OCD scale that have a debilitating illness, it's a, considered a mental illness, and they have this debilitating OCD that ruins their life, ruins their relationships, makes it difficult to work, or they can't work at all, they can get enough treatment, and it's effective enough that they can bring their OCD down to a very manageable level and begin to have a life again. They, there have been people that have even cured OCD. So managing it, diminishing it, learning how to you be the driver of the OCD car, not OCD driving your car and controlling your life, is very, very possible. And I've seen it happen with so many people. It's really kind of beautiful. All right, so let's look at the idea that you've got some mild OCD. Let's start with that. One of the first things that I like people to do is what I call challenge the ritual. My husband, Rich, that died, had some OCD behaviors. Like he had to line his vitamins up just a certain way. Um, When he worked out, he did it in a very methodical sort of way. Um, The garage was so perfect and everything in its right place, you could practically eat off the floor of our garage. Um, But as he... Start. We didn't know he was starting to go into frontal temporal degeneration, the brain disease he had, but the OCD was starting to get worse. At one point, for some reason, he got obsessed with airflow, and windows had to be cracked, and the garage door had to be up one inch, and he would stand there putting the garage door up and down for 20 minutes until he got it at one inch. And what I had taught him to do early in our marriage, we were together 39 years before he died, so Early in our marriage, when he had these OCD tendencies, I had taught him to do the thing I call challenge the ritual. So as soon as I noticed, or he noticed, I usually noticed first because he didn't want to notice, that he was obsessively, compulsively doing a behavior, then he would consciously challenge it. So what I would do is help him, and I'd say, okay, we're going to stand here, and we're going to close the garage door. And he'd go, no, it's got to be up an inch. And I go, nope, you don't get to touch the garage door again. Put it down. And then we'd go into the house and we'd sit down and I'd say, what are you feeling? And he'd say, I don't know. I just need to go fix a garage door. There needs to be airflow in there. And I said, what's going to happen if there's not airflow? He goes, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know, but I've got to go do it. I said, no, you don't get to do it. So he would challenge the ritual and he would have to sit there and handle the feelings. And he got really good at challenging the ritual. After a long time, he didn't even need me to be there with him to go through the the, uh, horrible thoughts that were going through his head and he liked it when he could get rid of a compulsion when i saw him doing something that he would i could just tell by the by his body posture by the anxiety that he had by the look on his face i'd say you're compulsive about that aren't you you're are you obsessing about what you just did and he go how do you know 
I can see it on you. You can practically smell it on you. And so he'd go, okay, I'm going to challenge that ritual. And he'd make himself not do it anymore. So let's take some of these mild compulsions and these mild obsessive thoughts. Let's say you're a person who obsessively worries about having hurt someone's feelings or said something wrong or, or told a lie or didn't say it absolutely truthfully. And you keep going back to that person and apologizing over and over and over again until it's almost annoying. The other person's going, stop it. Quit apologizing. I want you to challenge the ritual. The first thing in challenging it is notice the ritual. Notice that compulsive feeling that I have to touch that doorknob five times. I can't walk on the cracks. I have to do something or I have to not do something or I have to say something. Notice an obsession or a compulsion and identify it. And then what you're going to do is purposely challenge that obsessive thought or that compulsion. So you're going to go out and step on the cracks. And then you're going to go sit down and say, what do I feel? And why do I want to get up so bad? And what's going to happen? Something bad, something bad. What's the something bad? I don't know. I don't know. But I just have to go. I have to go unstep on the cracks. I have to do three prayers. I have to challenge it. Don't allow yourself to do the obsession or the compulsion. Now, it might take an OCD buddy. It might take someone who's going to sit with you, hold your hand, talk softly, and say, I know you want to get up and and do that thing that you do, but sit here with me. Tell me how you're feeling. So an OCD buddy who would be somebody loving and supportive, not somebody critical or demeaning, not somebody who's telling you're stupid, somebody who says, look, you're just feeling anxiety about that obsession or that compulsion you told me about. Sit here with me. Look into my eyes. Breathe with me. Come on. You're going to challenge the ritual. You're not going to get up and do that behavior that you do to undo that thought that you have. So having somebody support you through that as you learn to challenge a ritual, you will get better and better. It's what I call brain training. We can train our brains to be more anxious. We can train our brains to be OCD because we keep giving into it. And we can also train our brains to not do the compulsion or the obsession. All right? Now, we're talking about some mild OCD here. Now, as you go up that spectrum and you look at OCD that is more debilitating and way more difficult, you might need to be in therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy, where we try to raise your consciousness about what you're doing so that you begin to know this is what I'm thinking and this is the behavior that I have done. And you're looking at the dysfunction of that and the how it's, you know, not good for you and how it can be harmful. And so in cognitive behavioral therapy, we're wanting to reframe those cognitions and those behaviors. That so fits obsessive compulsive. Cognition and compulsive behaviors, obsessive thoughts and behaviors. So cognitive behavioral therapy is recognizing, understanding, and defining, and then reframing that into something a lot more healthy. Okay? So what goes along with cognitive behavioral therapy that's really effective for OCD is what's called ERP, which is Exposure Response Prevention. So in OCD, it's it's kind of like what I'm talking about, challenging the ritual. You want to expose yourself to your minor obsessions and compulsions and make yourself challenge the ritual. So exposure, response, prevention. 
Once you start to tell yourself, I'm not going to go check the front door, or you've given yourself a behavioral cue, you go to the front door to check it before you go to bed, and on the palm of your hand, you write an L, which means door locked. Okay. When you get in bed and you're wondering if you lock the door, you look at the palm of your hand and you see the L. And then you force yourself to challenge the ritual. You want to expose yourself to your obsessive thought. You want to purposely gauge your response and make it a healthy response, not the one that you've obsessively been doing. And then you will begin to prevent the obsessive thought, the compulsive behavior that is a response to that, and you'll start to prevent it. That's the brain training I'm talking about. You want to move from OCD driving your car and you're bouncing around the third part of the car with no seatbelt on as OCD careens down a mountain. You want that car stopped and you want to get in the driver's seat, fasten your seatbelt, and be in charge of the OCD. Is that making sense? I think it does. It's, it's pretty simplistic. But so challenging the ritual is one of the first things you're going to do. Now, if you are on the further end of the spectrum, like if you have trichotillomania, that's where you're obsessively pulling out your hair. I had a woman who would twirl her hair in her head and pull it out a few hairs at a time by the roots. She had huge bald spots on her head. She had to wear a wig. There are people that pull out their eyebrows and eyelashes. Um, trichotillomania is a debilitating, embarrassing disease. Psychogenic exoration, which is compulsive skin picking. That is an obsessive compulsive disorder. They can have ble- bloody sores all over and look like a tweaker, like a meth addict. Um, if they have any kind of acne or any kind of bump or anything on their skin, they will obsessively pick at it till it bleeds. And then if there's a scab, they'll obsessively pick at that. That's called psychogenic exoration, which is a big old honking word for obsessive skin picking. So some of these behaviors for bodies happen. And... It freaks people out, and it can be very embarrassing because it can change how you look. So if you're struggling with some of those body things, and it's you're isolating, you're not going out in public, you can't get dressed to go out to some kind of function, it's changing your life. Now you're further down the scale of OCD. So one of the things that we have found that is extremely helpful for OCD is an antidepressant. You might think, well, I'm not really depressed, but OCD is related to anxiety. It is the anxiety of the obsessive thoughts and the the attempt to quell the anxiety with the compulsive behavior. Antidepressants, specifically SSRIs, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, um, things like Lexapro, Prozac, there's a lot of new ones that are out that are effective, but these kind of SSRIs can help calm the depression, calm some of the anxiety, and that can help diminish your OCD. So don't be afraid to try medication. And what I usually tell clients of mine is give it a 90-day trial. Sometimes it takes that you have you have to find the right one that fits for you with the least amount of side effects. And, and today's SSRIs have very few side effects. Usually after a couple of weeks, any side effect you feel like a little bit of caffeine flutter type feel, is usually gone, or any bit of sleep disturbance can be gone. So give it 90 days, work with your doctor to get on the right SSRI, get on the right dose, and find that sweet spot. 
where you are less anxious and the OCD symptoms start to diminish. So one of the most effective combinations that we have is an antidepressant and cognitive behavioral therapy that uses exposure response prevention. You can super diminish your OCD or absolutely get rid of it, which is even better. So you've got to not hesitate to get help. You don't need to be embarrassed. You don't need to think this isn't going to work or I'm weird or this is stupid. Get some help. Okay, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how do you go forward and find some help. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're listening to the song Release, Randy McGinnis' CD, The Journey. Incredibly beautiful guitar music by Rick Hill. And incredible keyboards by Jimmy Bryant and Randy on Native American flute. And I'm also on this CD. I play Didgeridoo on song number eight, and I play a mean rain stick on the song Rain, number one. And I also play the last song called Nigohila, which in Cherokee means always and I play the deep bass flute on that song so check out the journey it's a cool CD alright we're talking about OCD and I want you to recognize that there is help so we talked about the difference between obsessions and compulsions obsessions obsessions being the repetitive thoughts and the scary thoughts and the um, what if thoughts what if what if what if and then the compulsions that are often tied to those obsessive thoughts, that I have to do these certain behaviors to stop the obsessive thought, to get control of my life, to stop this from happening. So we, I could sit here and list a 100 obsessive-type thoughts, and I could list probably a 100 compulsions that people do. But I want you to recognize that there's a certain program here that I'm talking about. When you have OCD, there are things that you can do that you, if you've got mild OCD, you can just start to do those from what I'm talking about with this show. And one of the first things you need to do is define your OCD. What are the obsessive thoughts I tend to have? Like, what's a category? Are they religious? Are they about germs? Are they about hurting people's feelings? Are they about checking, checking locks, checking, not walking on lines? Kind of look at categories of what your obsessive thoughts are. And, and I, hate to tell you this, but sometimes it can change. You might have a hand-washing compulsion now that turns into something later because your brain tends to go that way, and it depends on what you're focusing on. But the first thing you're going to do is define what are your obsessive thoughts and what are the compulsive behaviors that you tend to do. Write them down, and write down any you've had in your lifetime, okay? Then a couple things you're going to do is challenge those rituals, Challenge those thoughts. When you figure out that you've got an OCD issue and you start to do it, you go, there it is. There's that lock checking thing I do. Or uh, there it is. I, I can't walk on the lines on the sidewalk. Or I'm pulling out my hair again. Or I'm my face is bleeding. Or I'm, I look terrible because I've been skin picking again. Notice. Define it. And then challenge the ritual. 
And I'll tell you something that's kind of a secret. I, I'm not giving you medical advice, and if you can't take Tylenol, acetaminophen, I can never say that word. <laughs> if you can't take Tylenol, talk to your doctor. But there are people that have mild OCD that when they challenge the ritual and they take two extra strength Tylenol, which calms nerve endings. Simply taking Tylenol sometimes can reduce anxiety because it calms your nerve endings. It doesn't just calm the pain in your back. It can calm the overfiring nerves in your brain. So taking a couple Tylenol, challenging the ritual, encouraging yourself to really start to handle this differently are very effective for mild OCD. The other thing that you can do when you are looping on thoughts is to purposely change your thoughts. One of the things that I like to assign to people is what I call ABC. So right now, say the alphabet from A to G. Okay? You're saying it. I can hear you. Now say it backwards from G to A. You have to think about it. You can't think about what you're obsessing about. It is a non-triggering, nonsensical thought that you make yourself do forward and backwards. So you say A, B, C, D, E, F, G, G, F, E, D, C, B, A, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, G, F, E, D, C, B, A. And as soon as you can do it that well, then you're going to go a few letters further and go back again to A. You can go all the way to Z and go back to A. And what you're doing is your brain training. When you hear your brain getting on to your obsessive thoughts, you tell yourself, I'm obsessing, I'm going to challenge that ritual, whatever the behavior is that you would do to stop the obsession, I'm not going to do that behavior, and I'm going to change my thought. I'm going to stop looping on that thing I'm fearing, whether it's hurting someone or prayers you have to do or trichotillomania and pull your hair out or psychogenic exoration and pick your skin. Whatever it is that you are wanting to do for your ritual, your compulsive ritual, you're going to not you're going to challenge that and not do it and you're going to change your thought pattern by doing something nonsensical and non-triggering. Now for some people that's listening to music. For you it might be ABCing it. For someone else it might be um, reading a book. You've got to find what changes you and your thought pattern. But this is because you're actively treating your OCD. You recognize you have it, you've defined what your obsessions are and what your compulsions are, and you have figured out how you're going to challenge your ritual and how you're going to change your thoughts. And you might take a couple of extra strength Tylenol and calm down, all right? So then we're going to talk about getting help. When OCD is affecting your relationships, it's affecting your work, it is affecting your peace of mind, that you think you're weird are strange, are screwed up, are mentally ill, and you're feeling badly about yourself or it is harming your life, it's really time to get help. So you need to work with a doctor who understands this. It might be a psychiatrist or it might just be your general physician. It might be your OBGYN. Most general practice doctors are familiar with working with depression and anxiety and often will have some experience with OCD. Now, some won't, uh, but I would start with your general practitioner if you can get an appointment. You can even go to a walk-in clinic and talk to them about your anxiety and your OCD. 
And they will often work with you on some of these psychotropic drugs because they're not really heavy for schizophrenia or real severe bipolar or things like that. So you might want to get on an SSRI, an antidepressant. And if you're working with your doctor, I like people with severe OCD to have a prescription for a benzodiazepine like Xanax or something like that. And this this is something you work out with your doctor. Having uh, even 10 pills, nothing that's huge or dangerous or anything like that, that I have them write ER, emergency response, ER on the side of the bottle and lock it up somewhere, put it in a safe, you know, so the guests or kids can't get to it. Um, and that's what you take if you're in a huge OCD crisis. Like the example I used before of the person who was freaking out that they thought they had um, driven, pushed a van over the edge in their car and killed a whole family. That would have been the kind of severe OCD response that you, the spouse could have given that person a Xanax or whatever the dosage that was prescribed by the physician to calm them down and break the cycle of severe anxiety and OCD. So we're looking at the idea that you've got a good therapist on board who understands OCD. You've got a physician that you're working with to possibly prescribe uh, antidepressant and SSRI or whatever your physician feels is best for you, who possibly gives you an emergency prescription of something like Xanax or one of the benzodiazepines, the tranquilizers that will bring you down if you are in a huge, horrid OCD episode. And you're trying to treat yourself. You're doing the things that keep you from obsessing and keep you from doing your rituals. So let's look at a specific one. Let's look at that psychogenic exploration where somebody has compulsive skin picking. You recognize that that will happen more when you're anxious or you're upset about something, or you're obsessing about other thoughts maybe, and your hands will go toward finding some imperfection that you then need to mess with. So maybe to block the ritual of skin picking, you might do something like you get that uh, liquid Band-Aid, and say you've got some sore that you're messing with or you've created out of nothing. That can happen too with psychogenic exoration. And you paint it with the liquid Band-Aid. And then over that, you'll put on a Band-Aid that seals all around the edge. So those watertight Band-Aids, okay? So you have two layers of protection to heal this sore and to remind you that when your hand goes to start to work on that and worry about that, Thing that your brain is going there, I have to fix that, I have to get that off my skin, you will see your, you'll feel the Band-Aid and you'll go, oh, I'm challenging that ritual. That's why I put the Band-Aid there, to remind me to leave that alone. So, and the reason I've had many people with psychogenic exoration, the reason you want a Band-Aid that seals all the way around is because your hands can get under a regular old Band-Aid, can't they? So, these are the things that you figure out for yourself because you are on a path to diminish your OCD and possibly heal it. And the really, really important thing I want you to understand is it is so possible. I have seen so many people get control of their OCD. And maybe you have to manage it, like my husband Rich had to. He always tended toward OCD, and he was constantly finding new stupid things he got connected with, and his brain he'd call it, I'm doing that stupid thing. That's what he'd call it. 
And then he'd challenge the ritual and he'd recognize it. And he got really good at not letting them get a hold of him and run his life. So remember, obsessions are the constant thoughts. The compulsions are the behaviors that are often a response to those obsessions. And sometimes there's compulsions that don't seem to be tied to anything. You just do them because you're not really conscious of what you're thinking. But hear me. Listen to Dr. Patty here. You can diminish OCD and you can heal OCD. You just got to want to. All right? So if you know someone who struggles with OCD and they're embarrassed, they don't get help, tune them into this show It'll be on my podcast, Dr. Patricia Bay, Therapy in a Nutshell. It's on any podcast forum, Spotify, iTunes, anyone you want to listen to. It's free, and it's help. Hey, there's me playing didge. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you for tuning into Therapy in a Nutshell, where I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.